Hello, you podcasters out there. Welcome to Your Best Life, powered by Mercy One. This is Sherry Purdy. And this is Debbie Olson. And today we're super excited because we have Dr. Tim Horgan from the Waverly Family Medicine from Mercy One to talk to us about safety and toys. We're all out there right now going out to purchase Christmas gifts for young young kiddos. And we're going to talk a little bit about the, the the dangerous toys that we have to look out for and some ideas of, you know, what to buy besides those toys. So we're excited to have them on today. Welcome, Tim. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So I guess we'll just start right away with, um, you know, with Christmas coming upon us, parents are looking at all of the top 10 lists for toys to purchase for their children. And would there be anything right right off the shoot that you could recommend as far as not to avoid, to avoid, not not to purchase for children? Sure. I, I have my own sort of top eight, nine, or 10 list, but I, I like to lead off thinking about you know, toys are meant to be fun, but every toy can become a weapon as any a uh, parent knows even a poor Savannah Guthrie of the Today Show got her eye injury because her two-year-old son hit her in the eye with a toy locomotive. And obviously that locomotive didn't have do not throw in your mother's eye as a <laughs> side effect, but there you go. Yeah, I seen she had like a detached retina or something happen to her eye. That's terrible. Yeah, she's going to have to have a significant follow-up. And that just tells you accidents can happen, but sometimes we have to think ahead a notch. So my, my first uh, recommendation is to read the labels. Uh, most toys have a age guideline on them. And, of course, my children and everyone else's are above average and more <laughs> advanced than average. But those guidelines are there for a reason. So it's okay to pick up a toy that's for your four-year-old that says for six, but maybe put it away for a while or don't overload them right now and get them frustrated. That's great advice. I, I think a lot of parents do look at, you know, if my child's four, I want them to be able to use this toy for years to come. So they look at toys above their age uh, to give them just because they don't want to give them a four-year-old toy for the four-year-old they have. They want to use that toy for a while to make it worthy to buy. So I think that's a, I've never heard that before. Well, it, you know, it often uh, what entertains a four-year-old might for a couple minutes, but it will entertain a six-year-old for half an hour. So that's what those toy guidelines are really for. Uh, next, the one thing I have to talk about is safety. Anything smaller than your thumbnail will go into a child's mouth, usually when you're not looking. So swallowing, of course, a toy is not good. Getting it stuck is worse, and uh, batteries are even worse. So what size is too small? A thumbnail. Uh, officially, there's a CDC and a toy guideline that says 1.75 inches is too big, but thumbnail is a whole lot easier to keep on hand. You know, my two-year-old son put a Duplo Lego in his mouth, needed a micro Heimlich maneuver. You know, every two-year-old puts things in their mouth. That's their job is to smell and taste and touch. So we just have to keep our eyes on what size toys we put in their reach. You know, when you just just thinking about young children and the things that they get excited about. I mean, you know, thinking of a one to two, three-year-old, they love wrapping paper. They like boxes. <laughs> they like anything, like you said, that they can put in their mouth. And so, you know, those are the things that we, we turn our heads to, all of us parents do, because we don't think much of them choking on those kind of things. We think of the batteries. We think of the Legos. But we don't think about balloons or wrapping paper or things like that. Absolutely. Uh, uh, packaging, there's 
tons of packaging available whenever presents are opened. It, the trick is to get that out of the way. Anything that's bright and crinkly, kids don't know that they're not to eat that. It might look just like candy. Doesn't taste like candy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, back then to my other big guideline is toys are meant to be fun and not frustrating. So if they're frustrated by a toy, take it away. Don't make them keep working on something. Uh, A learning toy that just makes noise may just make noise until they're old enough to appreciate it. You had said something uh, about the fingernail, if it's the size of their fingernail. What age was that again? That I mean, under the age of what do you not? Pretty much any child's fingernail is the right size for their throat. You know, an adult's thumbnail or fingernail, something that size will choke you too. So you have to be careful. But a little kid's fingernail is exactly the size of their esophagus. So it will or could jam The only thing that, like, when you say about that, you know, the choking hazard, what comes to my mind with my girls are Polly Pockets. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever had. And, of course, they were not of an age where they were going to choke on them. They were old enough to play with them. But I can remember in the basement there would just be these little pieces everywhere, tiny little, I mean, very small. Shoes and purses. But even if, like, you know, you think of, like, your dog or your cat swallowed one of those, which Mm -hmm. they definitely could. Mm -hmm. So um, you wouldn't want little, little toddlers around little Polly Pockets, no. that's for sure. And as you were talking about the fingernails, we were all sitting in the room looking at our own fingernails. <laughs> yeah, and I think, fingernail. yeah, and I think, I've never heard that before. And my fingernail, how would that choke me? But yeah, I could see how for a little, a little person that, you know, that could definitely be something that as parents, I've never been, I've never heard that before. So as I look at my own fingernails, I think, wow, that's pretty small. But yeah, you definitely could choke on something that small. Well, in, yeah, it's it's kind of a handy guideline. You don't usually keep a tape measure on you, but your hands are usually pretty close. Do you have any, besides the, the choking hazards, um, are there specific toys out there right now that you would say avoid by all costs for young, young children under the age of, you know, three, four? Nothing particularly uh, worrisome. Uh, most toys that age don't have a lot of electric cords. Uh, But just like Christmas lights, you don't want children chewing on Christmas cords. Same thing for other toys. Well, and it seems like, you know, we live in an age now where electronic devices, I don't want to say replace toys, but it's like kids are more taken with electronic devices versus an actual toy or Mm -hmm. going outside to play. They'd rather be on some handheld device that, that they can play on. So maybe the... You know, toys are changing in that way a little bit. Do you want to speak to that, Dr. Horgan, about your your theory on giving children just um, electrical toys or media devices and not actual handheld toys or toys that make you move? Sure. The basic guideline I go with first is that toys are meant to be fun and not frustrating. And that includes frustrating for other people. So, Well, the parent that has to put the toy together. <laughs> yeah, putting it together. But I, I've looked around at some of the toys we've purchased over time, and they just make noise. The child doesn't really learn much from them. They just make noise. Whereas uh, they tend to go back to playing with it just fine when you turn the sound off. So that tells me the kids are smarter than us at what entertains them. The... Uh, The guidelines talking about electronic toys and video screens, 
have have pretty much settled down to a couple hot topics. One is that uh, screens are not meant for bedtime relaxation. Uh, The screen colors and images are really fast, and the blue light coming off disturbs REM sleep. So the first guideline is no screens an hour before bedtime. Uh, The next are more social guidelines. We don't encourage people to have screens at dinner tables. Obviously, dinner tables are meant for sharing and talking and listening. We can't do that when a video screen is entertaining you. And then every guideline talks to be careful about how much violence and rough language are present on whatever video is being absorbed. Uh, The world needs more kindness and needs less violence. I think the rest is up to family guidelines as far as how many hours or minutes a day are recommended. Lower is better. Um, I, uh, in my background, worked in electronics in my undergraduate degree in electrical engineering, and we noticed that signals change on TVs every seven seconds. That means you may think you're watching a half-hour show, but you're watching a show with seven-second changes for a half hour. That really trains your mind to be very short thinking instead of long thinking. So caution is always the best when it comes to video games. They are fun and can be very entertaining in, yeah, probably not while you're watching TV, yes. That is really interesting. Hmm. I've, I've, I didn't know that. So basically what you're saying by the seven-second rule while you're watching a TV show How does that affect your brain or how you, I mean, how does that affect someone watching something for a half hour and then those things changing every seven seconds? How does that affect a child? Well, to learn something takes time, unfortunately, and repetition. So seeing something change every seven seconds or 10 really makes it difficult to concentrate. And so what happens is our brain's dial down in terms of uh, accepting messages and learning that every message has to be short. So we encourage, you know, and teachers encourage in school, take your time, take practice, uh, repeat things if necessary. And the advantage of uh, paper and pencil is that it's slower, but also builds eye-hand coordination, good for colors and shapes and retracing things. I think there's some disadvantage to having things change so fast that it's hard to absorb. Yeah, I I definitely would agree with that. I think, you know, in the world that we live in, our children are growing up much different than we did growing up. I was outside with a ball and a bat and my bike and and being told I need to move and don't come home till it gets dark, <laughs> you know, in a good way, where, you know, my children have grown up in a, in a world of, I want this for technology, I want these, this for technology. Um, and so it's hard because when that's what they want and you throw them out a, you know, a ball, mm-hmm. which, you know, my kids are an exception. They do like the ball, thank God. But if you throw them out something to go outside with, I think a lot of children would be like, what's that? I told you I wanted this, you know, yeah. and it's, it's, 
it's hard for parents. I, I understand that definitely because I want my kids to slow down. I want them to be physically active. But the toys out there these days are so, like you said, bright, electrical, electronics, loud. Um, it seems like their brain never gets a, a chance to just shut down and relax. Right. I agree. I also have uh, pulled out our old Wii Fit game that is electronic and it's fun, but you have to do something. You have to stand and you can swing the bat. You can play yoga on it. You can, it, it, it encourages a, a level of physical activity and still can be fun. Right. Mm-hmm. We still have to, you know, train our kids that outside is okay and it doesn't have to be, you know, for eight hours like I was when I was a kid. But, <laughs> and particularly on cold days, you have to be smart about weather exposure. But still, there's an advantage to physical activity. Definitely. So maybe go purchase them a sled and a media device. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's a really great reference site that people can go to that the NFL sponsors called NFL.com Play 60 that gives examples and advantage and a lot of science behind the advantages of physical activity. So we'll we'll make sure that we put that in our episode description. So when people hear this and, and are listening, if they want to check that out, and hopefully they do, we'll put that in there so they can tag into that and see what you're talking about. So let's get back to, so the media devices you had talked about, we talked about the size of your fingernail, choking hazards. What other things do parents need to watch for, not only for young kiddos, but how about teenagers? What are, I mean, what about, you know, middle-aged children? Is there anything in particular you would say avoid or, you know, don't, or watch? The things I would watch for, for middle-aged and for uh, older uh, children or teens is the level of uh, violence and imagery that they're being exposed to and recognizing that you don't care, you don't want them carrying that over into their daily life. Now, it is a necessary part of childhood to have an active fantasy life uh, for things like dinosaurs, superheroes, things like uh, war games actually are, are pretty normal. The question is, how intense are they? And graphic. Mm-hmm. And interactive. Uh, kids need uh, and actually learn quite a lot from a fantasy world and have, it's very good for stimulating imagination, uh, but we have to remind them that, you know, you can't carry some of those messages over into their school and family life. Right. Right. I definitely think, you know, I was just thinking when you said the fantasy, um, having that still, you know, what we, you know, playing those fantasies as a young child out in our mind and, you know, the war games that we played and the tags that we played. I do remember playing war games with my friends, but we were physically active doing so too. Like, you know, one side was this side and we were the other side. And and so I think, like you said, just being careful of the imagery that young children are being, are seeing because it's everywhere. It's very hard to walk into a store, even your local, you know, going to buy a a game for your Wii or for your Xbox and not see the imagery of um, some of the games that are out there and people killing each other, right. you know? So I think it's it's hard to avoid walking with your children, young kids, but it's something that we have, it's a good awareness that you mentioned to just be aware of what they're looking at and we may not even think about it. 
are there any concerns? I've just recently heard, and I'm not sure where I heard this, but some of the toys that are out there are starting to affect the hearing of children and kiddos. Is there is there anything you can talk about that as far as levels of loudness in some of these toys and how it affects hearing? Yes, that's something that uh, we're starting to see in the pediatric and family medicine literature about hearing loss related to chronic use of earbuds and headphones at volumes that are quite extreme. If you walk by your child and you can hear the sound coming through the earbud, then by definition, that's too loud. So if my son's driving up in his car and I can hear the pounding of the bass in his car down the road, that's too loud, right? (laughs) I can tell him to listen to this. (laughs) That, That would be too loud. Imagine the sound pressure inside that car. It's just incredible. Oh, I know. There, I just found an app on my phone uh, this week, actually, that showed me the average volume that I was listening on my headphones. I thought, well, that's a good feedback. I'm going to have to look at that a little more often. Hmm. Yeah. Where did, where did you see that at? It's actually on your phone? I don't know. It showed up on my health screen as, oh, the hearing. Oh. Your headphone volume was this all week. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, we are seeing a lot more children with uh, what they think is hearing loss, but it turns out a lot of earwax because they're wearing their earbuds so many hours a day. Mm. That's a clue. Packing it in there tight. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, anywhere you go to, like if you're traveling, you go to the airport, if you're waiting in line somewhere, so many young kids yes. have headphones it, I on. I tell you what, like I'm not going to lie. I have the AirPods. I like them. I wear them to work out and maybe to clean my house. My daughters, which are they're teenagers, mm-hmm. they have them in all the time. So do mine. And I get so frustrated. I'll be making dinner. She's sitting at the counter, kind of doing homework and eating. And I'll talk to her. And she's like, I can't hear you. And then she's like, pause it. And I'm like, can we interact with right. each other? Can you just not for a moment? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, but that's how they that's how they are. Yeah. And now, you know, you can talk to people on the phone by having an earbud in your ear. Yeah. And, sh- and kids are doing right. that, too. It's it's crazy. I, f- I feel out of it sometimes because I, I see these young kids, 10-year-olds, you know, yeah. talking from an earbud in their ear. Yeah. <laughs> Instead and of the phone. Yeah. So I know that, so the hearing part of it, so let's say, you know, um, there's the cap guns and the loud music that you that young kids, I mean, is there a certain level that they should not? I mean, do you guys give recommendations as far as, okay, so the headphones is if you can hear it, that's too loud. But is there a certain volume number that you should avoid? Well, uh, average conversation is somewhere around 70 decibels, which is how they measure sound pressure. Um, An ambulance is around 100. So you really don't want to be exposed to an ambulance more than 30 minutes at a time. Uh, Same thing with a rock concert. 30 minutes at a crack of that level of volume is is sufficient to be re- something you can recover from. But more than that, it'll take half a day or so to recover. So the uh, general recommendations are to keep sound at a conversational volume all the time and exposure to really loud sounds for less than a half hour a day. Just wondering, you know, it- kind of getting away from the electronics or toys that make noise or require batteries. What what are some kind of old school games or, you know, something that maybe we played with that might be still popular that we could buy for our kids? 
whether it's puzzles or cards or do you have any recommendations or yes the uh, i've seen in stores a, a comeback on board games and uh puzzles and coloring books and things like that and i think that's a recognition by the toy manufacturers of america that there's advantage to playing together with people and not by playing alone all the time yeah mm-hmm. that makes sense my advantage that i see in uh Uh, family medicine is that you can play games with all ages at the same time. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can play uh, Yahtzee with any age kid. They don't realize they're learning math, right? but it's still fun. Mm -hmm. Right. I love that game. You can play Uno with every age and, you know, the cards end up all over the floor and it's still colors. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I'm still trying to learn cribbage, trying to add to 15 faster than my children, but they do it incredibly fast, you know, and other games are still fun because you get to talk to people. Right. Interact with them. And and it doesn't have to be competitive. And it makes them slow down. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So I think there's, you know, when you see board games, it, I don't think we should just pass them up as old fashioned because there's an advantage to some of those. Um, just going on the games, I know just thinking outside our backyard in the summertime or when it's nice out, we have a giant Jenga and that's actually a lot of fun mm-hmm. if you get like four people to play that and, uh, you know, gets you off your feet a little bit and it's, it's a kind of a fun game to do. You know what, what, uh, we, I did, I seen this on Pinterest three years ago that we have a Jenga as well, mm-hmm. but I wrote on random Jenga pieces, things they had to do for an activity. Oh. So if they pulled it out and it said, you need to do 10 pushups, uh, they'd have to do it. Right. Or they would say, what, what's your favorite? You have two seconds to name four, uh, movies. So it made their brain think right. and their body think. That's um, a good idea. And you randomly pulled them out and you never knew what the question was going to be yeah. or the activity. Yeah. So that was, my kids love it. They still love right. it. They know the question now. Yeah, sure. But you know, like you have all those pieces yeah. and, and if you have other people playing, it's a lot of fun. I'm sure. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So there's a, a cheap thing to do with your Jenga right. pieces. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, and thinking about the holidays coming up, my girls love like Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Everybody's there. They always want to pull out a, a board game or some sort of card mm-hmm. game for everyone to play. And it's true. We have, you know, our niece who's 10 up to grandpa. You know, we're all able to play. And it's fun to sit around a table it's something they can connect yeah, with everybody exactly. to. Yeah. A game, like a board game or those games like that, they're awesome because every age can play yeah. it and then have fun doing it. Because I can't, you know, I can't, I can tell you, my dad would never pick up some of the media devices no. and understand what the heck they're doing on them. Yeah, but exactly. he certainly would be able to play Yahtzee and right. have fun doing it. Or Pictionary. It. Yeah, or Pictionary and do that. So, you know, I guess the moral of this story today is it doesn't have to cost a lot of money to to make sure that your kids are having a great Christmas or great toys, um, even though their lists are long sometimes and they are things that could be dangerous. Uh, go back to the, the originals of what our parents had, board games once in a while. Throw them in there once in a while and just see how they react. They may love them and that's you know, may inspire them to do more. Give them a jump rope too. Make them get up and do some jump rope. <laughs> or a bike. Yeah. <laughs> Can't ride it in December, but. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think my uh, biggest advice is that toys should be fun um, and not frustrating. And that includes learning toys. 
Yeah, yeah I agree. And some of the toys that my kids used to get were learning toys for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Just even how to put them together. <laughs> I, uh, I'll never forget my, I think I was seven Christmas, and I loved Cabbage Patch dolls. That was my jam. Mm-hmm. And I got a Cabbage Patch carriage. And I watched my dad put that together for about two and a half hours, and he was so frustrated. <laughs> but once he got it put together, boy, I was happy. But yeah, just even the assembly of some things can take a while. Yeah, I remember my dad, he, he tells this story all the time. He bought a train set, and he put it together for my brother, and he ended up not even giving it to him because he put, <laughs> couldn't put the train He couldn't together. do it. Yep, so scratch that. Jeff never got that. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you want to be able to give them toys that you can actually put together yourself. Yeah, exactly. So, Dr. Horgan, anything in closing that you, besides, you know, making sure that they enjoy it, um, is there anything else that you want to leave us with or or leave our listeners with? Always hopeful that people have, you know, good time with their families and that nothing bad happens to anybody. We're always happy to see you if something comes up, but, (laughs) you know, we cheer for a happy and healthy holiday. Absolutely. Well, we really appreciate having you on today, taking the time out to talk to us about, you know, safety and toys, looking at, you know, if you're going to purchase and still need to purchase like I do things for Christmas. Better get going. Yeah. Um, What to look for and, you know, ideas and thoughts about, you know, things that you may not have had on your list, but to think, okay, board games is a great thing, you know. So we appreciate having you on and, and doing that today. You've given us a lot of great advice. And like I said, we will put that um, NFL.com Play 60 on our on our podcast so listeners can check that too. Uh, my pleasure. Well, we're going to wrap it up today. No pun intended. Wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think uh, thank you so much for listening to us these last couple podcasts. If this is your first one, check all the other ones out. We love doing this. We love hearing from you guys. And we'd love to hear from you guys. We'd like your feedback. So email us at podcast at mercyhealth.com. And as always, you guys know from us, from the bottom of our hearts, live your best life. <laughs>